Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends, and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. So glad you're joining us. There's a lot to share. We're continuing in our study of the five books of Moses. And I hope that you're learning a lot. And uh, we hear that most churches are not deeply studying the Old Testament, particularly the five books of Moses. And so that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. We want you to learn more because the Old Testament is at least as inspired as the New Testament. (laughs) And so you want to be a well-rounded follower of Jesus the Messiah. Besides, you get to read the Bible that he read. And so I hope that you're enjoying this. Secondly, we also hope that you'll have an opportunity to share some of what you've learned with a Jewish friend. And that can be a great conversation starter, a bridge of spiritual conversation, because Jewish people traditionally read through the five books of Moses throughout the course of the year. And even if a Jewish person doesn't go to synagogue regularly, they sort of know that that's what Jewish people do. And you can ask questions and talk about the Old Testament passages, and I think that will lead to meaningful conversations. And I hope that you'll enjoy it today. Uh, With me is Bobby Walter, and uh, welcome, Bobby. I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us about uh, our two main characters, Balak and Balaam. Sure, yes. So shalom, Mitch, and shalom and welcome to uh, everyone who is listening. Uh, We are really excited to look at this portion this week uh, because honestly, there's so much action. There's so much goodness in there that we can learn, that we can learn about God, that we can learn about ourselves and learn about specifically how God protects his people and how God secures the blessing of his people, even when we don't even realize it. And the portion that we're talking about is found in Numbers chapter 22, begins in verse 2, and it goes through chapter 25 and verse 9. And in the synagogues, this portion is called Balak, uh, because the very first person that we're introduced to here is a Moabite king named Balak. And he's been watching, he's been seeing as God has been leading and blessing Israel during their wilderness wanderings, and Balak is scared. He's intimidated uh, because he recognizes that this great, awesome God is actually involved in preserving and blessing Israel. So Balak comes up with an idea. He says, I'm going to hire this soothsayer, this basically we could call him like a shaman, okay? This witch doctor kind of figure whose name is Bilam, okay? Or or Balaam. You may have uh, heard him described uh, with that that name. Uh, Balaam, Bilam, it's, you know, uh, tomato, tomato, right? Um, <laughs> so Balak sends for Balaam and he wants to hire him to come and curse Israel, to speak curses upon Israel so that Moab would escape Israel's God or any kind of bad thing that would happen to the nation. Uh, so at first, Balaam refuses because God appears to him. God speaks to Balaam and says, don't do this, okay? You are not going to curse Israel. Numbers 22, verse 12, God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now, there's some question sometimes about this person, Balaam. Was he a real prophet? Was he a God-fearing prophet? Was he a believer? 
And from the text in Numbers and also in other portions of Scripture, we can determine that, no, he was not. Okay, he, He's mentioned in Joshua 13, that's when he was actually killed uh, during the conquest. And he's also mentioned three times in the New Testament, in 2 Peter 2.15, in Jude verse 11, and in Revelation 2.14. And every time he's mentioned, he's mentioned as essentially an evil, wicked soothsayer. Okay, someone who is not a follower of God, someone who's not a believer. But yet what's amazing here is that throughout this entire account, God essentially speaks through this evil, wicked man and uh, and and foils the plan and the attempts of Balak and of Bilam to actually go through with cursing Israel. So really, that's what unfolds throughout the rest of the story. So Balak is very persistent. He continues to send his servants to go and hire Balaam. Finally, Balaam gives in and says, okay, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take this job. I'm going to go with you to curse Israel. And on the way, the donkey that is riding starts to fidget. And the angel of the Lord is actually appearing there. The donkey can see the angel of the Lord, but uh, Bilam cannot see it. Okay. Uh, you know, this great witch doctor, this spiritist could not see the angel of the Lord. So this donkey spoke, you know, amazing. This animal, this donkey spoke to Balaam and, uh, because Balaam struck the donkey. And then the angel of the Lord appears to Balaam and again is confirming that God is protecting and blessing Israel and that what he's trying to do uh, is not a good thing. So we go on from there. And basically what happens is Balaam arrives, he's with Balak, and seven different times Balaam attempts to curse Israel. And every single time that he opens his mouth to speak a curse over Israel, God overpowers and God forces him and God puts the words into his mouth uh, to speak blessing over Israel. So they go from location to location and all these different regions overlooking Israel that is down in the valley. And every single time he is unable to curse Israel. Well, thanks, Bobby. That's a great summary. And we understand that he was not only unable to curse Israel, he kept blessing Israel, right. which frustrated the daylights out of Belloc. You know, I, I guess his uh, rent-a-profit didn't work, and he probably wanted his money back. Exactly. Uh, but, it, you know, in a very interesting way, this whole story reminds me of something that uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. They, the children of Israel were being kind of rebellious, the Pharisees and Sadducees were uh, provoking Jesus, and Jesus had some harsh words for them in verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, and here it is, we have Abraham for our father. It was a presumption on the grace offered by the Abrahamic covenant. So we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. You know, for me, I find that so similar. Mm -hmm. I mean, God was able to raise up a talking donkey, right? You know, and God doesn't need our help to bless Israel or to even proclaim the gospel. We get the privilege of being part of what God wants to do. He can raise up talking donkeys and he can raise up stones, exactly. you know, to accomplish his purposes. And so we have three lessons which I like to list for you uh, quickly. And I hope that you'll take this to heart, uh, dear listener, as, as we mention them. Number one, God's covenant with Abraham is ongoing and unconditional. And so we can't presume on his grace, but we do understand that God is going to keep his word because he's, it's impossible for God to break his word. So when he said to the Jewish people that I will bless those who bless thee and curse those who curse thee, 
That is absolutely true. And he will bless those who bless the Jewish people and curse those who curse the Jewish people. And that is not on the basis of Israel's obedience or the fact that Israel is so wonderful, but because God chose the Jewish people. Secondly, God always works sovereignly on behalf of his people, even when they don't see it. Um, A number of us have uh, understood this deeply because God always provides a way in the darkness. And he certainly did that uh, for the Jewish people. And took a while for Balaam to see it, but right. uh, and he it, certainly you know, did. That's one of the, my favorite aspects of this whole narrative. Israel had no idea, no idea that all this was going on, uh, <laughs> that this great spiritual battle was taking place in the mountains, in the hills surrounding them. And they had no idea that God was actively protecting them and speaking blessing over them. Absolutely. Uh, and the third lesson is pretty simple, and I hope that'll bless you. Paul wrote in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we have to understand that we can never overstep the hand of God's blessings. Mm. God is always there to help us, to encourage us, and to save us. You know, when we accept Jesus, we accept the one who's going to walk with us for our entire lives. And he's going to protect us, care for us. And he's always working behind the scenes to make things better for us. I love what Paul said. For God works all things together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And so God is always working things for our benefit, though it may not seem that way. God is the weaver working behind the scenes, making sure that whatever we need, we have, and God takes care of us. So if you love him today and you're a bit discouraged, don't be, because the Lord is with you. Even when you don't see it, he's going to bless you and care for you. One of our generous and faithful supporters recently asked, Mitch, what are your priorities for 2022? And I thought that was a great question. The answer is simple. We plan to go back to basics in 2022, focusing on evangelism, discipleship, and training. We're so excited by the ministry possibilities in 2022. This year, we are prioritizing in-person, I say in-person, evangelism of Jewish people with the strategy to win Jewish believers, disciple and train them, and help them serve the Lord. We're also looking to reach young secular Israelis for for the Lord. And we're planning to use various media in-person engagements and to share the love of Jesus with them any way we can. So we hope you will prayerfully consider supporting us this year. Your gifts will provide for our various ministries, the development of materials, and the production of our training programs. We are so thankful for your prayers and generous support. So God bless you and thank you for partnering with Chosen People Ministries as we share the gospel with Jewish people all across the globe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from Dr. Michael Brown who is a world-renowned messianic scholar and speaker who experienced a very turbulent adolescence filled with drugs and rock concerts, but ultimately found peace and joy in Jesus. You know, I know this brother so well, and it's so hard to believe what you're about to hear (laughs) because he's such a humble and gentle and wonderful brother in the Lord. But, you know, he who has sinned much loves much. And so listen to Mike, and I hope it's a blessing to you. Growing up Jewish, I thought that Jesus was the God of the Catholic Church. 
he was just some guy kind of foreign to us, god of this other religion, but nothing to do with us as Jews. When I was in high school, I earned the nicknames Drug Bear and Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, I smoked pot, I smoked hash, I used ups, I used downs, I used LSD, I used mescaline, I used amphetamines, I used cocaine, I, I shot heroin. I would take massive quantities just to see how far I could go. I once did enough mescaline, hallucinogenic drug, for 30 people, the equivalent of one ounce. I couldn't distinguish between reality and hallucination. I would walk with my hand in front of my face at night because I didn't know if the tree that was growing up in front of me was really there or if the tree that grew up into fireworks that, that they were really taking place. I'd see like a car coming at me and suddenly the car became a person. You know, the eyes, the, the lights became eyes and a mouth. Or I'd see someone walking their dog and that they'd morph into, they'd each become a little bit of each other. And it was really going on a trip. I had a really wicked heart. I mean, I was proud, really proud, obnoxiously proud. And I was vicious with my tongue. I, I wasn't a fist fighter. I didn't get in fights, but I would cut people down. I would rip into them until they were in tears. So I thought, well, if there really is a God, he, he knows I have a good heart. You know, if, if I see an old woman and she's entering a store, I'll open the door for her. Or if I'm in New York City and I see some poor bum, some drunkard on the street, I'll, I'll give him a few cents. So in my heart, I'm actually a good person. I thought a church, I don't know, kind of like synagogue. You say these prayers out of a book, and then maybe you have these other rituals that you go through or something like that. I, I don't know. And you got some guy hanging on a cross, and, you know, and that's, that's what it's like. Well, not this church. This was very, very different. And then my friends would come back with stories. They said the pastor was preaching from the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible that tells us about the end times. We're sitting around getting high, smoking pot, and they're telling me these stories. And they said, there, there's going to be a beast. It comes out of a bottomless pit, seven heads, ten horns. And it's going to like rule the world. And I said, that's in the Bible? That's what they talk about in this church? That's a cool church. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, is there anyone here who wants to receive Jesus or ask Jesus into their hearts? I guess he did that in, in all the services. And my friend sitting next to me nudges me. He said, Mike, you should go up now. And see, I knew after my first visit there, these people are praying for me because they think like I'm the worst sinner in the world. These old people will really get a kick out of it. If I go up there and say this prayer, they'll be all excited, like, oh, the big sinner went up. So I, I went up to pray the prayer. I didn't mean anything by it. I just, I was having a little fun with it. So the pastor said, say these words out loud with me. I believe Jesus died for me. Okay. Jesus died for me. Jesus took my place. I sinned, I did all these bad things, he was perfect, he died for me. You know, I believe, I believe that's true. I believe Jesus did die for me. Say these words, I believe he rose from the dead. And I thought, you know, I, somehow, I know that's true also. The story didn't end just with him dying. But it goes on. That's why all these people believe in him today. He rose from the dead. 
I believe it. And then he said, and I promise to live for you all the days of my life. And I said the words. He said, did you mean that? I said, yes. He said, I believe you. But God knew I didn't mean the last part. And that's when the deep spiritual battle really began to take place. I loved heavy rock music. So Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, and bands a little different, Jethro Tull, these different ones. Because I was a drummer, bass set, and pounding everything. It was kind of a whole new world for me. And I thought, I want to play drums just like that. One of my favorite things to do in life was to get high and to go to a rock concert. And you talk about an experience. You, you go to a, a concert, say, at the Fillmore East, and they have what's called the Joshua Light Show, this pounding, flashing light going on behind them. And here's Zeppelin, dazed and confused, and Robert Plant kind of staggering over the stage as he's singing, and Jimmy Page ripping out his guitars, and John Bonham, that drummer with that heavy drum beat, and, and bass player just driving this thing. And the music would be so loud, I would test it. I would scream at the top of my lungs, and if I could hear myself, the music wasn't loud enough. I lived for that. And then my own band, we'd play every day. We'd practice and play for hours and the loud music and getting high, man. We loved it. Now, I'm in this little church. There's maybe 40, 50 people there. I'm 16, long-haired hippie. You got guys 50, 60 years old in jackets and ties and ladies in their dresses. And there's the pastor's wife playing the piano. That's the instrument, piano. No amps, no boom sound. She's playing the piano. And she's playing these little ditty hymns. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. I'm talking about these silly little ditties. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Sunshine, sunshine in my soul today. I mean, that's what we're singing. And as we're singing these songs, and we're just singing a couple of songs, you got 40, 50 people, you got no amplification, no drugs. Suddenly, I experienced this joy I've never experienced in my life. I mean, I, I can't even describe it with words as I talk about it now. And immediately, it's like my life passed before me. I thought, getting high on drugs, no, this is different. Rock music, playing, going to a concert, this is different. Winning in sports, playing sports, no, this is different having a great relationship with someone, doing good for someone. I thought, this is different. This is completely different. This must be what these people call the joy of the Lord. And I realized, this is how much God loves me. This is what Jesus did for me dying on the cross. This was the most pure, amazing joy a human being could ever experience. When God made himself so real to me, at that point, I didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. I said, I'll never put a needle in my arm again when I experienced that incredible joy and I realized how much God loved me. When I stopped doing drugs and I said, Dad, Dad, I got saved. I mean, who knew what the words meant? And he said, hallelujah. He was just making fun of it. He didn't take it seriously. Now, hang on. We're Jews. We don't believe this. See, he was Jewish enough to be concerned that his son is going to depart from the faith. I'm thrilled you're off drugs, but now you need to come back to Judaism. You need to talk to the local rabbi. And for me, I was excited to do it because I wanted 
I wanted my Jewish people to know about Jesus. I'd meet this rabbi and that one, ultra-Orthodox rabbis who've been studying these things for decades and centuries. And, and I thought, you know, I, I need to learn more. My faith is secure in my heart. I need to learn more. I need to learn Hebrew. I need to, to learn more about Judaism. And the more I studied, the more clear it was that I was completely on the side of truth and following Jesus. We would keep having these discussions and debates and so very, very few rabbis, despite their sincerity and all their study, have even opened up an honest question before God as to who he is. In their mind, it's blasphemous, it's sacrilegious to read the New Testament as sacrilegious, so they stay away from it entirely. They don't know who he really is. They know some of the bad stories we preserve in our own traditions, you know, hanging on a crucifix in a Catholic church. The horror stories of the inquisitions and the crusades and the terrible things that so-called Christians did to Jewish people through the years. What really happened was he was laying down his life for us. He was taking the place of the animal sacrifices. In other words, he was doing this as Yeshua, the promised Messiah, in keeping with scripture and our tradition. So he was not some Gentile God hanging on a cross from another religion. He was our Messiah dying as the righteous one, taking our sins on his shoulders and then rising from the dead so that we could have a great relationship with God. My dad, he actually would come and hear me preach. You know, he, he wanted me to go back to Judaism, but then he, he saw how radically my life was changed and, and began to consider, could it be that Jesus is the Messiah? I remember he was even reading the New Testament, so his heart was wide open because he saw how Jesus had changed my life, and he knew that this was something only God could have done. From humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, Serving in 18 countries across the globe, Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. Our outreach programs include evangelism and discipleship, messianic centers and congregations, and equipping local churches for Jewish evangelism. If you have a heart to reach the Jewish people in your community with the love of Messiah, connect with us today. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And thank you so much for joining us today. You know, your faithful partnership with this ministry is enabling us to introduce Jewish people to the Messiah each and every day. And you can build upon this foundation of love by letting us know that you're praying for us or that you'd like to financially support this ministry. To connect, just go to chosenpeople.com slash radio. And Bobby, I really hope our listeners will get online and engage with Chosen People Ministries. Because if you do, you'll receive our 52-week devotional-style Bible study bundle that we're giving away for free just for saying hello. The portion walks you through the Jewish roots of our faith. And as a bonus, we'll also send you the beautiful portion bookmark, which can help you stay on track with our weekly readings. So take advantage of these great resources. Be sure to go online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or you can call us at 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. That's Hebrew for Jesus. It's 888-293-7482. 
888 to Yeshua. You can also ask for the portion bundle when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. And right now, let us wrap up today's message with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.